Wednesday, got home late and uh, got to bed about, I don't know, 11, 11.30. It's kind of all fog now. Closed my eyes only to hear someone knocking on our sliding door by the bedroom, which is a little alarming. <laughs> Never happened before. Thank God when I pulled the curtain, there was my daughter. She said, Dad, something awful's happened. You got to go. I got my phone and saw all the texts from the executive management team of the city and threw on some clothes and headed to the command center over at Jan's parking lot where all our first responders in the command center was located and the city council members descended on the site along with all the management team of the city. What a remarkable city we have. I... um, I looked at the confidence, and here was Mayor Fox, Assistant Fire Chief, L.A. City, long, second longest serving councilman in the history of our city. And he's in a suit and tie because he had just come from his retirement party. And watching just his presence, knowing how to interact with the police and the fire and how to dis- discern and lay this out, and watching a man so uniquely skilled marveling at that and thinking, I'm going to step into his shoes. I looked to my right, and there was uh, Council Member Price, Joel Price, police detective, retired. He was the one that proceeded to interpret for us everything that was taking place, and I thought to myself, boy, this city's blessed to have this man. Why is he leaving? Such a, a wise man good legislator. He's on the council of cities throughout the country and he's just been instrumental and just brilliant. I'm looking at him thinking the strength that he's providing for the team right now is unmatched. I have a really special handkerchief. It's a paper towel I got in the back. And then uh, looked at Al, Adam. What a precious man. He's like uh, Sheriff Andy. He just has this calm way about him. And he, he was there, and then Council Member Bill de la Pena showed up, and there they were, all these folks. Thanks, Al. A soft tissue from my... There, there she was with all the experience and the five of us together, and... As we gathered and started to discern what was taking place and getting the first reports and the things taking shape, we noticed as we did the police tape that all sudden reporters were descending upon the command center and so were parents of the children that they hadn't heard from. And we were trying to figure out what to do in relation to that. We put together a phone line where as the injured were being taken to hospitals, they could get word if their child was there or their loved one. And they were there because they'd called the hospitals and hadn't gotten word. The reports uh, that I've received from other sources, the, one of the heaviest things, especially for the first responders at Ground Zero at the site there at the borderline, was when all the kids had dispersed and broken through the windows, they'd lost their phones 
And as these folks are assessing the crime scene, the floor of the borderline is ringing endlessly with these phones. And looking at these faces of the family members wondering where their loved ones are, we realize we got to get them into a warm spot, get them away from the press. And, and please, I, I'm not belittling the press. They did a remarkable job trying to get the country to realize what we're going through. I mean, I'd say 95% of them were amazing. There's a handful that get a little on your nerves, but the rest of them are <laughs> remarkable, absolutely remarkable. And you got to understand, they see this day in and day out. And to keep a human side to it, I was pretty touched. And they were respectful. And we got all these folks over to the Alex Fiore Teen Center and set it up and we started to disperse from the command center. And as I was going home, it wasn't an audible voice from the Lord. It was just, go back. So I turned around, drove to the teen center, and pulled up, and we were just trying to assemble it. And folks from the church brought the coffee maker over. The Red Cross hadn't arrived yet. These folks were trying to, I mean, just the first few folks arriving, some of them were friends just trying to find out what happened to their friend in the borderline, and they're all descending First service, we had a, a family here who lost their son. and maybe Many of the kids that were here first service lost their friends. So we got them into the teen center and they were all there and wanting to hear word. And that was one o'clock. Some arrived around two. Desperation started to kick in and the longer they waited, the more intense it became. The early morning hours went into the late morning. Eight, ten hours would pass. And then finally, as they were gathering in their sections in the gymnasium at the teen center, and the chaplains were walk, walking through, and I was connecting with some of the folks that I knew. And as we started to get word, they would one by one be taken to a room to hear the news that they'd been dreading for countless hours. In the course of that, the other council members were dealing with other issues around the city and to their kindness, they allowed me to remain at the teen center. And I, you know, I'm, I, I don't have the skills that Andy has or Claudia or Al or Joel, but I knew that having been a sheriff's chaplain, this is something I could do. And you guys afforded me that opportunity and then the officer in charge says, we got to go out and do a press conference. I'm like, I don't do that. What is that, you know? I said, you want Mayor Fox for that? He says, he's not here. You're, you're up. I say all that because I, I, that, that, that night was late. And the morning went on and we wanted to put something together for a vigil because it seems like everybody with a political agenda descends on a tragedy and tries to promote their issues and the city wanted to preempt that just to let our citizens mourn without all this garbage across the country. What an amazing staff we have that they put that vigil on and the way they did and it was a remarkable night. And they were tired. That vigil was precious. Everybody got to mourn. We were all just wiped out. You could see it in their eyes. We left there and only to find out, Michelle and I would to find out that we had been evacuated. 
up 60 hours and now you get to leave your home. We took everything with a heartbeat and left all the stuff we could replace. We went to my daughter and my son-in-law's house and prayed. Got a little bit of sleep and started the next day and got up the next morning and visited the evacuation sites. I, I remember going up to one couple and saying, how you doing? The lady said, you're, you're that Republican council member. <laughs> I, I said, I am. She says, I'm, I have issues with them right now. I said, I understand. I said, where do you live? She told me her address and I picked up the phone, called Chief Hagel and Drew Powers. They said, we'll get you through the blockade. You get those folks home. I told him, I said, here's the pass. You just go on through. She said, I'm going to vote for you. <laughs> I told her I'm not up for election. All that to say, it really doesn't matter, does it? It's amazing how all those monikers disappear, those titles, those labels. All of a sudden, we become community again. And then I was doing well until the first service and even the second service. Listen to all you praise the Lord in the midst of this tragedy. Evil's been visited on our community. We haven't even had time to mourn as we're trying to figure out where we're supposed to go. And you guys are saying, hurry up and preach. I want to get out of here. And you'll be all right. And even looking at the stuff at the house, it was like, don't bother. You see, there's a number of families in the community that would give everything in their house to have their loved one back. Even our possessions don't really matter much, do they? Kind of puts life into perspective. One man told me about an interview of a scraggly man on the Malibu side. They interviewed him. His whole house had been burned. He said, what are you going to do now? And the old man said, I'm going to go buy more crap. It was a hard night taking those folks in. I didn't take all of them in, but walking into the room as the sheriff would have to tell them the awful news that their, their loved one had been identified and what you were dreading has come true. And you'd think with eight hours of preparation, as the longer it went on, the more you realized you're the last of the Mohicans. He couldn't get the words out and they began to just sob. I don't even remember what I said in any of the interviews or how many interviews I gave. I saw one clip, I think, that my daughter pulled up. And uh, I remember that clip because the reporter started crying. She hugged me. And I remember her coming up to me and after that interview, and then all the cameras were focused on one man whose son would ultimately be one of the victims. And he's all by himself on the phone, and they're all filming. And her heart's broken, and she's got a job to do, but she walks over to me, and she says, would you go hug him? I said, yeah. I walked over, and I hugged him, and 
He's a good hugger. My ribs still hurt. (laughs) I was there when he was hit with that awful news. We're left now. One man shattered the lives of a lot of families. And as a community, we're going to pick it up piece by piece and put them back together again. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We got loved ones to bury. We got anniversaries and birthdays to remember. We got lives to touch, next to hug, meals to bring. And we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Yesterday, when he went to visit a a family lost their son and they'd had to go and identify the body. Talk with one of the coroners and the scenes in their head that they have to process. And I was just kind of going through the motions and none of it really hit me till I got here and I got emotional. It's all your fault. Because in the course of it, Watching that prayer.com and the prayers just piling up. I literally got over a thousand texts. Everybody want to know how I'm doing. I'm praying for you. I tried to respond to all of them. I don't, if I missed you, I did read it and I love you. And every one of them meant something. And they were special. And from all over the country... And I, I think the comfort that these folks are experiencing is supernatural. And I share this with you because I was hesitant to do it, but I really sense the Lord wanted us to. I want you to just quietly see the pictures of the folks we've lost as our lives have been devastated. One in particular... It was from my hometown in Coronado. Another young man served in our special needs ministry for a number of years. Marine. Another one was uh, the son of mom and dad who were here in the first service. Many of the kids that are in our church interacted with these kids. Some of them knew the shooter. Every one of them has a connection point. We're all hurt. But we're going to remember them. And we're going to do that now. Just take a look at the names as we scroll through. Go ahead. This young man right there, that was the man that hugged me. And he was holding that up for everybody to see. Does any, has anyone seen my son? He was a baseball coach, Little League. That's the son that, uh, of the parents that were here. Next one is his friend. 
other is the officer that saved countless lives. 54 years old, married, father. I think he actually got married in the building and where he died. Was it Charlie Brown's used to be? It's where he had his reception, I think. There you go. That was the man from Coronado. Number of connections in the church to this young lady. That boy is Santa Barbara Community College. That man had survived the shooting in Vegas, ended up dying at the borderline. Another connection to many in the room. This is a collage of all of them. Everybody has a connection somewhere in those pictures. We haven't even had time to mourn. Churches can't gather. I'm not sure what we were supposed to do. I, I was tired and I, I was thinking, Lord, I don't have a message. And the Lord said, I, had, I gave you a message all week long. So I'm gonna take you through what God showed me on Wednesday because I didn't realize it'd be so prophetic. And it is prophetic because it got me through to this point and it's gonna get me through to the end. I have to tell you, going on 60 hours without sleep, I wasn't tired. Uh, a lot of hugs, a lot of conversations, a lot of why. You step into that room, and, and a lot of folks, I'm not going in that room, I, I was called into that room, and, and you, you're, you're pouring out. And you think, well, you don't have it left. And, and then coming home... Um, I was blessed by my wife because I'd be going here and going there and, and even after the vigil and then getting up in the morning and then going out to visit uh, the evacuation centers and coming back and, and um, my wife said to me, you know, I saw Al and his wife holding hands after a press conference. I said, okay, all right, I'll hold your hand. You know, I walk over. <laughs> but what she was telling me is, I, I, I'm blessed to see you ministering I miss you. And the Lord has a neat way of giving you a Holy Spirit head slap lovingly. And I just realized she's gracious and so are my, my kids and just some time at home that the Lord would provide. He orders our steps. And, and I looked at all the council members and I just realized how how honored I am to be in a city like this and our first responders. And, and one reporter asked me, safest city in America, how are you dealing now with this? I said, we're still the safest city. Or one of, I should say. You have officers that are willing to go in and put their life on the line. That's safe. 
Countless lives were saved. I, I was informed by my daughter who was listening to the scanner as she came to pick me up and, and they said, some in the scanner, they said some are in the rafters and some are high, seven are in the bathroom. We're getting, we're getting calls, seven are in the bathroom. And then the report came over the scanner. It's gone silent in the, in the bathroom. And that's where most of them, the seven were. I say that because a number of folks wonder, is my loved one with the Lord? And I know that that was a question I faced with some folks I spoke with. And I just think of the, the thief on the cross. Don't overcomplicate salvation. We, like the thief on the cross, have one more prayer so long as the breath of life runs through our lungs. Three words. Lord, help me. The thief, remember me this day when you go to paradise. And today you'll be with me in paradise, the Lord said. He'd have to get down, get baptized, go through the four spiritual laws, have a complete systematic understanding of the scriptures. There's two great laws in the universe. There is a God and we are not him. And he's ready to reconcile us. Lord, help me. I think those seven in that bathroom were praying. I know they were. I want to just share with you briefly, as I know we're all heavy. There's going to be the memorial site. We're going to have chaplains ministering. We've got events planned. But I have to tell you what I don't want. And the pastors met last night. I'm tired of every tragedy zone in America becoming a hotbed for some political issue. Leave us alone to mourn. I don't want any photo ops. Go fund me. Just let us care for our own. And if you want to do anything, pray for us. And the chaplains that are coming in are solid. And all the help that we've received from the first responders of every city up and down the state and across the country have been remarkable. I noticed with the barricade, talking with some of the officers as we came through, folks would come and reach out to them. And I thought it was a little prejudiced, but they'd give them donuts. <laughs> there are families that need you to love on them. We're going to do that together. And I want to tell you how to do it and what the Lord did for me Wednesday night. And I didn't realize how prophetic it is, but it was a gift that God gave me and he wants to give you. And I know that you know I'm prone to long introductions and I think that is the longest on record. <laughs> Turn with me to John chapter 14. We're not going to stand for the reading of the word of the Lord right now. We're, we're just going to, I'll just share with you. This is, um, this is an interesting picture. The Lord is, is uh, telling the disciples he's going to be crucified, buried and resurrected 
And they're all burdened. And then he says in John 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Another, the word another means one of the same kind. And, and I want to talk to you this morning, if you'd look at me, I want to talk to you about the third person of the Trinity because we're going to desperately need him and he's one of the most mysterious of all. You have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have a misconception of the Holy Spirit, oftentimes charismatics and Pentecostals and you know we all have a different view and, and sometimes you'll hear people say, have you received it? Received what? Received it. The power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Holy Spirit is a person. Have you received him? It's not so much have I re- it's not so much how much of him do I have, it's how much of me does he have? It's a yieldedness of our life to him. And the Lord says, I'm going to send you another helper, another of the same kind. We come to find out in Romans that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And people are fearful of the Holy Spirit. What, what's it going to make me do? Am I going to blow on people and smack them in the head and say, should have bought a Hyundai? What, what am I going to do here? And that's not the point. What God's saying is, I'm going to give you a helper, a paraclete in, in the Greek. It's, it's, it's a comforter. Para means alongside. Like parallel lines. I'm, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to comfort you with a supernatural comfort. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. I rod and I staff, they comfort me. He walks with us. The scripture says that he may abide with you. With means alongside. It's three prepositions in the Greek that the Holy Spirit operates, how he operates in, in the world. He's a restrainer of evil. He walks alongside you through life. Even if you don't believe in him, he believes in you. And he pursues you and he loves you and he brings conviction and he's a restrainer of evil. And he speaks to the tenderness of your heart in times where the foundation of whatever you've believed in has been leveled. And he says, I'm here. In a fallen world with sin, if you want me to remove sin, i got to remove sinners. And I'm going to allow sinners to exist so they can come to an understanding of what I'm calling them to. And that's a reconciled life to the Father through the Son. And he's with all mankind, alongside, para in the Greek, para. And then it says... The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you, para, and will be in you. In, in the, in the Greek, the preposition en, it just means in. It's like I have a pitcher of water, beautiful water in an empty cup. That's you. This is the Holy Spirit. He is alongside you and you're empty. You don't have anything left. And if you haven't reached that point, we can make it a lot worse, I imagine. There's evil. And it's hit us to the core. We're all tired. And he's with us. And he says, you want a filling. And he's in you. He starts to fill you. The Bible says we become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's in us. He says, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. I'm your papa. And that seal of the Holy Spirit as he fills us, refreshes us, satiates us. Turn with me to John 20, please. And verse 19. The Lord has 
been crucified, he's now resurrected, he's now appeared to the disciples, and watch what he says to them. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of Jews, and they were scared to death because evil was surrounding them, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord resurrected, but yet the scars and the wounds of crucifixion. Verse 21, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of many, they are retained. And they received the Holy Spirit. He came in them. The water was poured in. If you believe in your heart, confess with your tongue, Lord, help me. He's in you. The, the, the last breath of the thief on the cross, the prayers in the bathroom, Lord, help me. He's in you. Don't overcomplicate it. Christ died that we might live. This earth is temporary. We shed our earth suit and we're eternal in the heavens, brand new body. But now we come to the gift God gave us this week and if you haven't received it, it's yours for the asking. It's a grace gift, not a works gift. You don't have to earn it. He's ready to give it to you. And I reckon everyone in the room needs it. Turn with me if you would. To Acts chapter 1, to the right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 1. Remember the promise he gave them? He fulfills it, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. I hate that word. Can I get an Amen. I'm the guy that looks at the microwave going, hurry up, burrito. And then you eat it while it's still molten. (laughs) We're hurting. We want vigils. We want to gather. We want to comfort. And we're evacuated. Lord, just saying, wait. You're sitting in a gymnasium waiting for word and God's saying, wait. I watched one family as they heard the news of their son and all the children that were assembled that were friends came in weeping and the parents stepped out of their own pain into theirs of all the children gathered and began to minister. They had waited over 10 hours for news that their son was dead and then they stepped into the lives of all the other children hurting. How do you do that? There's only one way. It's got to be supernatural. Wait, God says, for the promise of the Father. And anyone who thinks that the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a Pentecostal idea, I just want you to see that it's God the Father's idea, promise of the Father. And if you struggle with that, the scripture says, which he said, you have heard from me. Jesus is involved in this as well. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Why didn't he just say, you have walked with me for three and a half years, you've seen me walk on water, you have seen me 
raise the dead, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the mute speak. I have fed thousands with a, you know, Long John Silver Happy Meal. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to come and give you instruction. He's going to show you what you need to do because you have been trained and you have tenacity and you have te- ability. And, 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 and you're going to be able to pull this off. Why did he use the word baptism? Behind me is our baptismal. Soon to be full. Have you ever been to a baptism? It's interesting. The person comes in dry. They come in. You put them under. The water represents the grave. It's a public profession of faith. They're associating themselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They're dead to themselves, alive to Christ. They want the world to know they're a Christian. I baptize people like I eat Oreo cookies. I put them in the milk until the bubbles stop, and it's awesome. (laughs) Kidding. But when they come out of the water, it's fascinating. I've seen it in, in the over 20 years of ministry. They come out of the water and the first thing they do is they either hug me or hug a loved one near them. And what they have been submerged in, they get on the person they hug. Water, hug, water. Wet, 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 wet. God deliberately used the word baptize because he wants you to touch others with what you're going to be baptized in too. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, when's this baptism going to take place? Apparently, you're not reading the scripture. It doesn't say that. They said, I mean, he tells them about this dunamis power baptism of the third person of the Trinity, the promise of the Father, the paraclete, the comforter. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. It's coming. And what do they do? Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Are we going to get another chance to vote? They go right back to the politics. Salvation's coming on Air Force One, isn't it? We... We try to figure out life on our own and we, we, we put so much stock in this and then the foundation struck and now you realize you're gonna need this. He said to them, all right, fellas. He doesn't rebuke him. He says, I, I get where you're at. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father's put in his own authority. Calm down, relax. Let me get back to what I was talking about. Verse 8, but you shall receive dunamis, power, where we get the word dynamite, explosive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. New preposition in the Greek. And you shall be witnesses to me. Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Upon the pitcher filled with water, the cup empty, drained, He's with us, now he's in us, and the word upon means we keep pouring. And if I had it, I'd show you, but we'd ruin the carpet. It overflows, it drips everywhere, and you're just pouring and pouring and pouring, and it's an endless source, and it's saturating and satiating everything around you. And the word upon is this concept of moving water. 
Not stagnant, it's moving, it's living. Living water's moving water. The Yangtze River, the Mississippi, uh, the American River, the Kern River, we can, the Nile River. Every day, millions of people go to the moving water and are satiated, that are dying of thirst. And God says, I'm gonna make you that when I come upon you. You are going to be a satiating location for the world to drink from and to find that thirst quenched because of your life. You won't be giving from an empty well. You'll be overflowing from your innermost being. You'll be a place where people come to drink. They're going to rely on you. You're going to walk up to them and they're going to hug you so tight they're going to hurt your ribs. You're going to walk into their pain. You're going to have something to give. You're going to be tired and not feel it. You're going to stand in front of cameras and not know what you're supposed to say and realize your mouth is moving. And you see a reporter crying and you don't know why other than that must be the Lord. You're going to stand in front of folks after the worst week you can imagine not knowing where we're going to come up with a message and see folks walk out touched and watch a reporter crying. And this idea that we'll be witnesses. It's not something you have to do. It's something that he does through you. And he says, look, you don't have to witness. It's going to be an outpouring of who you are. And I love that he says in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This is great. And he says, wherever you go in the world, there's going to be reception. You will have connection with me wherever you are on the earth. Oh, Lord, you don't understand. This is November. Thanksgiving's coming up. There's no reception in my family Thanksgiving meal. When I step in there, it is darkness. Those people that I am related to, (laughs) and you walk in, and he fills you to overflowing, and instead of your snippy little mouth chiming in because you've been hurt, you realize that you're dead to Christ and he's al- you're dead to yourself and alive to Christ and your mouth doesn't open with a response to insult. You respond with a word fitly spoken like apples of gold and settings of silver. You start to do the dishes. You start to help in the house. It's to a man's benefit to overlook an offense. You don't carry the, the grudge. You have the ability to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? All supernatural. You can sit and minister to others when you've heard the worst news in your entire life. The reception happens anywhere in the world. I'm almost finished. Turn with me to Luke 11 if you would. I'll do this in six minutes. And I'm going to wrap it in a bow and you get to go home with it. Luke 11, I want to tell you what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It's real simple. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, this power that you receive, it's a grace word. It's not a works word. And when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you become more like Christ. 
I have to say this week, I pray that the city's better off because Rob McCoy didn't show up, but Jesus did. And the same in your world. How do you receive this power to never run dry? Maybe you figured this out and you're not exhausted. Maybe we need a few more fires to bring you to the empty vessel. I got news for you. That took all of a nanosecond for me. We need him. How do we receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit? And for some of you, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and yet you still feel empty. And I remember talking to Nets Gomez, the pastor of the Hispanic Church in Northridge. He would call me at the most unique times. He was so connected to the Lord and always had the right word to say. He was moving in the realm of, of, of God's Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was ministering in and through him. And, and I said, I said, Nets, how is it that you always have the right thing to say? And he said, I just always ask him for filling. I've been baptized, but I ask him for filling. I said, why do you ask him for filling? And he said, I leak. (laughs) I remember not knowing what to say and walking up in front of all those cameras and saying, Lord, would you fill me? Lord, they don't need any of me. They need you. Lord, I don't know what to do in that room. Would you fill me? I remember standing at the front door of the Civic Arts Plaza watching all the citizens walk in, just wanting to greet everyone and tell them, thank you for being here. I just knew God wanted that. The greatest compliment I think I've received, and that, that says a lot in the 54 years on this earth, but when Anne Lafayette, I ran against her in an election, and as all elections are, they were tough. I won't say what she said because it was personal, but what she said to me so deeply touched me. I hugged her and she hugged me. And I said, you know, Anne, I think we're gonna become very good friends. And she says, I'm certain of it. Only God. Luke 11. Here's how we receive this gift. Pay attention. I'm putting it in a box and wrapping it up for you. Verse 9. Jesus says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, everyone say, give? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who... Lord... Would you baptize me in your spirit and give me your love and your supernatural ability to minister to this hurting community because we have been hit with a supernatural evil and we need supernatural love to pick up the pieces of the lives and the community that is broken. That's all you gotta do. Lord, would you fill me to overflowing with your love, baptize me in your spirit? What does this look like? Will I start speaking in tongues? Will I roll on the floor where I bark like a dog? No. 
Galatians 5 says, you want to know what the Spirit happens in your life? It's real simple. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. You need more of that? Ask. You've asked before, and you're running on empty, and you got fumes? Fill my tank with more of you. And the last thing is this. It's in Acts chapter 8. Some people say, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a joke. When you receive Christ, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Bloop. Then Simon himself, Simon the sorcerer, also believed. And when he was baptized, bloop. He continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Dropping down to verse 14. Now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had not fallen upon them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Make it what you will. Question for you. Are you overflowing? And would you like more of the fruits of those spirit? And do you think this community needs the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Folks. You're it. There's a community out there that needs to be touched and loved. It is not a works word. It's a grace word. Ask him. All this week, Lord, would you fill me? Lord, would you fill me? And if you doubt the power of that statement, then you have no idea how I got through this week. You explain it. You think that prayer is trite? You go ahead and work it out on your own. And you come to me when you're empty and that cup is just completely bone dry. And let's talk about the pitcher touching you. The world doesn't need our tenacity and our wisdom. The world needs more of the Lord. Lord, baptize me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Use me for your glory. Let them see you because you're the only thing that's gonna get us through this misery. And folks... He's ready to touch us and heal us. And so let's let him do that, amen?